Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword, I'm Dave Tish, and just first of all, Happy New Year. It's been uh, a few weeks since we last talked. Now normally, there'd be a little bit of a break because of the holidays, but there was a much longer break than we expected because I contracted COVID and that put me flat on my back for a good week. We're actually recovering quite nicely. Um, our cases were pretty mild compared to some of the things I've read about on on the internet and from friends of mine. Thanks to everybody who reached out and made sure we were okay, especially our small group that took really good care of us and brought us food and um, some COVID rapid tests to make sure that we were on the mend. So um, we are, we're, we're doing much better. So thanks. And I hope that all of you listening are staying healthy and um, that you're recovering. I know that this Omicron variant has done a, a number and it just goes to show that Harry Potter and the Omicron variant is the worst of all the Harry Potter books. So I just hate it. So thanks for your patience. You can still probably hear some of the lingering effects in my um, tone. I also obviously couldn't go into the podcast studio. So I had Jay go to the podcast studio and I stayed away from him on Zoom. So this was a virtual podcast. This past weekend, Jay and I spoke um, on this incredible story in Luke 8 on the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. We're going to talk about why that matters, what it means for us as a church and as individuals. So with that, let's dive in. everybody welcome to the afterword oh it's our first afterword of the new year jay welcome yes 2022 well it's it's been a weird 2022 already yeah i would say it's been a super weird <laughs> that's i uh, i i spent a lot of time i got COVID. i don't know if you know that yes yes and, now, uh, now everyone knows you just told everyone <laughs> and it, it uh it, it kind of ravaged uh our household it was it was not fun yeah, Jay, you what? you had a significant travel ordeal uh, getting yeah, back from so, the Midwest. <laughs> my daughter, um, my daughter actually contracted it, and we couldn't travel until she had those negative tests. And uh, but when she's when she had it, I knew it was just a matter of time before we got it. So we had to get back home before we contracted it, and after she was clear. And I'm pretty sure I got the flu when I was in the Midwest too. Holy smokes. So, so they, they now say that some people get the flu and coronavirus. It's called the flu-rona. Yes. Which is, have you heard of this? Yeah, I saw an article about it in the L.A. Times. And I think, I think Orange County or L.A. County was like the first sort of um, official, this is flu-rona, which when I saw it, it was just like, uh, will this ever end? Just <laughs> <is> like constant. <laughs> Well, it's, it's like, you know how, like in LA, there's all the fusion. Yes. You have uh, the food. You've got, you know, you know, you've got this incredible, uh, you know, Tex-Mex and, and uh, Vietnamese food and that's Thai right. food, Mexican and Indian. And this is Flurona. So that's what that is. <laughs> it's what, it's what LA, LA does. Do you think there's going to be food trucks selling Flurona? I Just hope not. <laughs> I think there could be food trucks that give vaccinations. Yeah, uh, true. Uh, but we're back. We're back. Well, first of all, I, I I know you don't like to talk about this, but congrats on ninety-eight point six percent. So thanks, thanks for uh, your message last week. It was really inspiring. Yeah, and uh, 
and it was really it was really cool to to see the the general congregation just be so excited for for this you know yeah yeah it's uh it's pretty surreal so i'm just overwhelmed with gratitude and um now really really excited about about what yeah. god has for us yeah yeah that's that's amazing um so you you wanted to kind of pivot a little we're, we're actually we're pivoting as a whole church it's kind of i actually think it's kind of good timing because we kind of focused really hardcore in our in our little polity ourselves as a church you know we had yeah. some internal house things that we have to deal with that we had to deal with and we, and we dealt with those but now it's like in the next sermon series we're we're going to be looking not inward at all it's yes, all outward yes. it's yeah. all compassion yeah. compassion immersions our next sermon series is actually kind of good timing yeah so i actually, love it and I know that you're probably relieved too that some of the, <laughs> the gazing is not so much at the leadership transition, but really about what we're about, right? Yes. So, yeah. So, and, but part of that is a little bit of this vision. And I, I love this. Um, I was really captured. You had a quote last week by Mark Sayers hmm. uh, from his book, Disappearing Church. And you said this, you said the church, or well, you, you quoted him as, and this is what Mark says, the church begins when a disparate and disheveled group of very ordinary people crying out to God are filled with this presence. And I, I, you, you kind of mentioned last week about Acts 2 and the beginnings of the church. And, and this week, um, it was kind of a continuation of that theme, uh, the idea of like what we're about. Um, and, and I think it kind of tied this idea of the story from Luke 8 um, with a woman who was uh, both desperate but also filled with faith. Yeah. And yeah. that desperation and faith component really felt like it was it, it was kind of accidentally continuous, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, was that was it was that kind of in your head? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I mentioned it uh in the teaching, but you know, after the vote last Sunday and sort of everything happening and praying for Steve as he sort of recovers from, and yeah. he is recovering. So thank God. Um, yeah, I had, I, I definitely had this sort of come down moment, you know, where I could feel even in my body, uh, sort of relaxing and then a reckoning with my own exhaustion, just emotion, emotional, yeah. none, none of it was bad. It's all wonderful and amazing, yeah, 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 yeah. but just the emotional sort of like, wow, I'm tired. And then after that, for a few moments, I found myself asking like, okay, well, there's that. What, what now, you know, what do I do? How do I, and, um, and then very quickly, I felt this sort of stirring inside toward this story, uh, for our community, you know, that, that it's time, you know, it's, it's time for us to consider after all we've been through. And I'm not talking about the vote. I just mean all we've been through in the last couple of years, especially, you know, what would it look like for us to become a community of belief and desperation together, you know, and, and, and my belief is that if we can become that man, like our truly, as Steve has said multiple times, our best days are ahead and not our best days, like our church, our church's best days necessarily, but, but our best days in terms of experiencing the power and the life change and transformation and renewal and maybe even revival that God can bring by his spirit when a group of ordinary people like us, you know, in the words of Mark Sayers are just captivated by, by the power of God and and humbly seek after him, uh, believing that he can change things and desperate to see that change come. 
it, it strikes me, uh, there was this moment in the, in the sermon, there was kind of an, a math equation. I'm not a math guy, but there's a, a little <laughs> bit of a math equation. Uh, one of the things that this story allows us to do is really enter into the, enter into this, um, the story of this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. That's a really long time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was, as you know, this is in Mark, it's in Matthew and it's in Luke. I love how Matthew puts, um, she went to all these doctors and they couldn't help her at all. And Luke leaves that one out. Luke, yeah. the doctor is like, listen, it's not the medical community's fault. Okay. Uh, but when you get into the story, you, you really are invited to, to inhabit her story and, and to put yourself into her shoes and try to figure out what's going on. And, and in the message, you said that um, one of the things that she embodies is this desperation, but also this this faith, um, this hope, um, faithful, the, the belief, whatever you want to, um, these words. But then you kind of did this um, kind of interesting thing where you said that one without the other actually can be, can be really bad. Yeah. Like yeah. if we have um, a, a deep, deep desperation, but no belief, that actually leads to despair. Yeah. Because there's yeah. no one who can help us, right? And conversely, if we have a deep belief that Jesus is the Messiah and he really is, but we don't actually have a desperation, that leads to a weird complacency or stagnation. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so just qu question, just what, what have you seen more of, would you say, during this time of COVID? Or is it, do you think it's 50-50? Or even as the people are listening, I wonder where they come down, more desperation um, and desperation, I think, often comes out in anger and angst. Yeah. Right. And then the other side would be stagnation or complacency, which would be like kind of this deadness, numbing out, um, not really feeling it, feeling passionless. Yeah. What, what have you seen more of, would you say? That's a great question. Uh, my guess is that most people listening can relate to one or the other despair or stagnation. Many can probably relate to both. Um, so I don't really have an answer to the question. I think they're both really prevalent. I guess the way I could answer is my own, uh, my own experience. Okay. And this is, um, you know, it's, I don't know if embarrassing is the right word. I feel a bit exposed because <laughs> it's going to sound strange. I'm, uh, you know, cause I'm a pastor and, uh, a professional Christian and, you know, faith, a man of faith, a man of the cloth. Are we Dave, you know, you and I, you know, but uh, my collar on right now, people can't see it, but I've got my collar. Uh, but if I, you know, if I'm being honest, I think I have found myself probably in the last couple of years wrestling more with despair, meaning I have felt desperate, but have wrestled with belief and by belief, I don't mean like I've been deconstructing my faith and doubting if Christ really is the Messiah, not that sort of lack of belief, although that's, uh, you know, that's very real in many people's lives. And I'm very sensitive to that and, and empathetic, but belief more so in the sense that like embodied belief and, and Dave, you've taught a lot about this, you know, another word for belief would be faith which in yeah. the Greek is the word pistis, which is yeah. not about intellectual assent to a set of ideas, but rather it's an embodied sort of, uh, you know, like action oriented, 
wholehearted belief that something is true and that something is possible. And that's what I've struggled with. I, I have not once doubted intellectually, theologically, that God is capable and that God is willing. What I have wrestled with through the pandemic and through all we've been through is like, is God really going to do something? Like, I don't know. I'm desperate, but I don't know if God's really going to act here or if God's really going to lead us through X, Y, and Z. I've really wrestled with that and have then found myself in these sort of moments of, of despair. But um, thankfully, you know, God by his spirit has always sort of led me through out of that despair and sort of reinvigorated my belief. But that's been my experience, but I don't know. I bet, I bet there's people on all sides of this. I don't know, Dave, for you, what have you, what, what's more relatable to you in the last couple of years? Yeah, it's interesting. Cause I, I feel both. I, I felt like the COVID and the separation, the isolation, um, I really do rely upon other people a lot both for energy, but also just as a pastor, a person, a Christian, I rely on other people. Um, I, I see my worth as, as someone who can come in and try to help other people. And when you're so, when you can't be the hands and feet of God, how can you be the hands and feet of God if you can't touch anybody or go anywhere? <laughs> and so, so part of it was like, um, it was like a, a blase, like a, I felt very blah, you know, it was like, how, how can this happen? How is this supposed to work? So there's a blahness to it. So I really do feel the stagnation part. And then you just get in these weird like rhythms, like, hey, don't even go to work for a while. I mean, there was like, like, what do we do? We're doing online church that felt like really hollow because I couldn't, you know, and it couldn't gather. So there was that. So I do, I do recognize that. But for me, like, especially through the early parts of 2020 and then through 2021, I felt like so disconnected and so bombarded with bad news all the time. Mm. It like there, you couldn't get a break. Yeah. Every day was something. And, and, and then I was really disappointed by the way that some Christians responded, including some Christians I respected. And so it started making me go like, ah, man, am I seeing this issue? Right. And what, what's going on? Uh, and then I realized that um, I, I had a lot of lament mm. and no one, there was no place to lament. And biblical lament is not just complaining to God. That's the first part of lament. But what I realized, and this is in, in, in my seminary cohort, Brashear has really helped us do this. We had this times where we would just like lament. And then what happens with lament is you pour out your heart and your hurt, and it's real, and it's the reality of the world. But then it's also Christological focus. Then the Lord moves. There's a, then you refocus your heart and mind on what, the, what God can do. Yeah. And what God yeah. will do. And that's why this verse, um, I was just, I was just reading through this. I mean, so think about this, like right before in Luke eight, this, this all happens in chapter eight, right? He, he calms the storm. They're on a, they're on a lake and there's a giant storm and he stops it. Right. And they're like, and what did they say? Like at the end, they're like, who is this dude? Then they meet these, these demon possessed dude who is like, in entirely the, the, the town doesn't even know what to do with him he he's he's actually chained up in like um like in the tombs in the in the cemetery because they they want to get rid of this guy they just but he like cries out at night and day and night he like howls and jesus like drives out these demons and in one in, in one chapter 
I think what Luke is saying is this is this Jesus is in control of the natural world mm. and the unnatural or, you know, the spiritual, the, the seen and the unseen. Mm-hmm. This is this Jesus is in control of everything. And then all of a sudden, this religious leader comes desperate, desperate because his daughter and I have a daughter who's about this age. She's dying. Mm-hmm. He's desperate to her right jesus is making his way and then another person comes that's desperate and like what happens he not only heals her bleeding but then incredibly he actually stops death he actually stops this girl from dying and i think at the end of this chapter if you don't come away like with your eyes just wide open in amazement what can't this god do what can't this jesus do like everyone who saw who was around this must have been filled with with awe and wonder so for me that's the second part of the lament and that's what has been so animating for me slingshotting out of the that the depths of those terrible 2020 and early 2021 into now that we're regathering now that we're here this real true belief that god and i think luke 8 actually helps me get there it actually slingshots me toward not just a a belief, um, but also like this desperation, like what problem can't he solve? There's not a thing I can't bring before Jesus that he either won't solve immediately or sometime soon, or he can't solve or that he's not going to work on. It's to to me, it's incredibly inspiring. Yeah. I love that. I love that, man. I'm with you on all that stuff. Yeah. It's great. All right. So Jay, you also, this is, um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day is on, on Monday. Yes. And uh, you kind of ended the, the message with um, a quote from Dr. King himself. Yeah. So uh, why don't you read that one and then just talk about like what that, how that has buoyed um, yeah. or what, yeah. what, what, what that means. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Dr. King, like one of the great poets, first of all, of, uh, all time and certainly the 20th century his words are just you know so moving such a gift uh yeah he i thought this was such a great summary of this whole concept of trying to become a a community of of belief and desperation he says um seek god and discover him and make him a power in your life because without him all of our efforts turn to ashes and our sunrises into darkest nights but with him, we are able to rise from the fatigue of despair to the buoyancy of hope. To rise from the fatigue of despair to the okay. buoyancy of hope. And uh, the delineating line between whether we will linger in the fatigue of our despair or live into the buoyancy of hope is whether we are with him or not. And yeah. you know what the Luke 8 story tells us is the um, being with him means believing him for who he is and then desperately seeking after him, which is why Dr. King starts the quote by saying, seek God, you know, seek him and discover him and make him a power in your life. And he doesn't mean like he's not a power, so it's up to us to make God a power. What he means is recognize the power of God and open yourself up to that power that has always been there, will always be there, which of course demands 
uh, belief. Like we have to believe that God is capable and that God cares enough uh, to intervene and to step in and to do that which only he can do. And, and I just got to say, you know, despite the difficulty and and the complexities of the last couple of years and this pandemic and everything that's gone on, you know, I I really do feel a growing sense of hope and excitement and anticipation um, because I can see it in the eyes of our people. You know, when we talk about belief and desperation, it's there. I think, I think we as a community are beginning to tap into that, you know, and we've got some, some hopes for this coming year. And, um, I was just on an email thread with some of our team talking about sort of making prayer nights, a more consistent rhythm, you know, this coming year. And so I think we're going to try to, to get after it this way together. Yeah. That's exciting. It, it also just reminds me, like sometimes in these dark seasons when things collapse, that collapsing could be a good thing because sometimes in our own hearts and our own minds, we start to rely on things other than God. And when those things disappoint or fail or crumble, um, I think it can lead us back to a renewed and purer hope, a purer faith, a purer Christianity, a purer expression of that. And I think for a lot of folks, uh, some of the, the the weird old trappings and comforts just just fell off the last two years, and I, I'm excited about. I know it did for me, um, so I'm excited for I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. All right, well, Jay, thanks for this, and uh, man, I'm actually really excited because uh, for the next couple of weeks we're going to be looking at compassion immersion, yes. which talk about buoyancy of hope. Um, I actually got to sit with all these stories. Cause I was, we, we put together this like hundred page book and I had to sift through all of the missionary reports for the last two years. Cause you know, I was the guy who was writing the copy for it. But when I say had to, I remember sitting at my desk sometimes and just being overwhelmed yeah. the, the hope and the work that God did in some very dark times. I think it's incredible. I can't wait to share these stories. I can't wait to talk about this stuff. And um, God's at work, not just, of course, in the Bay Area or Westgate, but across the globe. He's, he really is doing some incredible things. And uh, I'm really excited about Compassion Immersion, this because I think it'll, it'll remind us that we're not just, it's not just us in some lifeboat clinging. Like there's a global movement of God doing some incredible things. It's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I think it's the perfect timing. Like you said, we have been necessarily so we've been talking a lot about our church family and what's happening here and that's been really good it's been a gift but our church family doesn't exist for us you know we exist to uh, join god in the mission that he's on about in the world and uh, i was i was talking to Kayvon and finney who sort of oversee our global and local compassion here and i've been telling them over and over again in the last couple of months i actually think that in the cultural climate that we are in, people aren't asking necessarily, you know, is Christianity true? They don't even really get to that question. They're actually first asking, is Christianity even good? If there is a God, is that God even good? You know? And so, um, I would, I would invite everybody and and actually this sounds strange, but, uh, compassion immersion is actually a great time to even invite friends, you know, who maybe are marginal, in their faith or not really all that interested in faith or in church 
it's a, it's actually a great time to invite some folks because yeah. it could potentially change their paradigm in terms of yeah. what they think the church is, you know, and, and what we're about and what, what sort of good about, yeah. what Jesus is about. Yeah. Yeah. And what sort of good we, we, um, try our best to bring into the world in the name of Jesus. So yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped about it too. Yeah. I don't know. If we're talking hope, uh, in the middle of this, we should talk about Clay Thompson's return. The boy Clay of Thompson, everybody looking good. Oh, give, give it time. Looking good. <laughs> yeah. There's probably some, uh, schedule, uh, kinks they have to work out, but they'll, uh, boy, I don't know how you beat them for four games out of seven. Unreal. Exciting. All right, Jay. Well, we'll see you next week for CI and, uh, and thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Just want to say thanks to Jay Kim for stopping by. And join us next week when we dive into Compassion Immersion. We'll be sharing stories from our ministry partners across the globe and right here in the Bay Area. Incredible stories of God's goodness and faithfulness and people partnering with God to bring about real good and lasting change in this world that so desperately needs it. It's going to be an incredible series. Join us next week for that, and I'm excited to dive into that. So we'll see you next week.